This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Morning. I have, I'm delighted to be here. It's a pleasure to speak to you at our first service at 10 for the summer. And that means that I only had to preach one time. Yeah, it's good. But it also means I have to get it right the first time. So uh, you 11 a.m. people, you're going to get a 9 a.m. quality service here. Sorry. This is also our first uh, week. We're going to kick off Kids Camp this week, as you've been hearing. And it's exciting, very exciting. And it also means that all the kids are here. There are little babies even in the, in the audience. So don't worry, parents. If your kids are making noise... It's okay because the sound guys can make me even louder than all babies combined. Don't need to worry about it. Okay, so when I was uh, asked what I was going to talk about this morning, I talked to Kathy Crick. I said, Kathy, what's, what's the theme for this week, for this kids' camp? And she said the theme is shipwrecked. I'm like, okay. And we went through each day and what it's going to be talked about. And it's much more positive. It's a very, very uplifting theme. We're talking about God being our lighthouse and our hope to get to shore. It's wonderful. And as she was explaining all this to me, I, th- I kept thinking to myself, the story of Paul. Paul getting shipwrecked on the island of Malta, right at the very end of Acts. I said, that's got to be the focus of today's message. Now, to properly deliver this sermon, I'm going to need all the kids in the children's program, if you're willing to come up right down here on stage, right down here in the ground area. Kids got to come on forward. Sit down right down here. There you go. There you go. Good job, kids. Now, I'm going to need your help. I need your help, kids, because this is a challenging topic today, and sometimes the parents don't get it. And so I'm going to need your help to explain it to mom and dad. And so we're going to go through a story. Now, today's topic is called the problem of pain. This is the third most difficult theological topic when people are talking about Going to faith. This is a hard one. So, I want to explain it to you in a simple story to see if you get it, and then we can tell it to your parents. Here's the problem God is both good and powerful, right? God is good. He doesn't want bad things to happen to his people. He's good. But he's also powerful, meaning that he can do anything and he can make things not happen if he doesn't want them to happen. And yet, there are lots of bad things that happen in the world, right? There are terrible wars that kill millions of people. And there are disasters like floods and earthquakes that hurt people. And there's disease and cancer and brokenness. Everywhere you look, there seems to be things that are not good. So if God is so good and he's so powerful, why do all these things happen? Maybe he's not as good or powerful as we think. So, this is a pretty tough topic, but I'm sure you're ready for it. Are you ready? So, we're going to learn about God's goodness in a story in Acts about the Apostle Paul. It's going to be in the 27th chapter of Acts. For any of you who have your pew Bible, welcome to open up to it. Use your Bible app or just listen along. Okay, so, let me set the story. Paul, remember Paul? Paul's the guy who travels all throughout the Mediterranean and he talks to people about Jesus and he's teaching them, and, he's, and he makes new churches, helps found them, and he, he writes these letters that become the large part of our New Testament and are hard to understand sometimes. That's Paul. Now, Paul went to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, the Jewish people were not too happy with Paul. And so they said some mean things about him. 
And you know what they did? They put him in prison. And so he was in prison and he was in the Roman, the Roman guards are holding him and they wanted to kill him. But Paul said, hey, wait a second, I'm a Roman citizen. I have rights. And they're like, oh, oh, you are a Roman citizen. You do have rights. And so Paul got to go to Rome where he was going to stand trial before Caesar. So they had to take Paul from Jerusalem, which is in Italy, excuse me, Israel, to Rome, which is in fact in Italy. And did they, did they have planes back then? No planes. How about Greyhound buses? What did they have? Donkeys. They did have donkeys. You're right. They didn't use a donkey, though. What did they have? The camels too. Let's think about the theme here. We're going to theme boats. Yes. Okay. So they had boats. And so they're going to take a boat. Now they're going at a time of year when it's not good to be traveling on the water. It was stormy time of year and they got stuck in a storm. So they, they stayed at a harbor and here's where we're going to pick up the story. Paul, actually, he was telling the centurion, we shouldn't go anymore. If we go, we are going to get into big trouble. But the centurion wouldn't listen to Paul. He says, we're going. We're going to go all the way to Rome. So here's where we start in chapter uh, 27, verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor, they pulled up the anchor, and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cotta, we were, uh, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship to hold it together. The ship was falling apart, so they put ropes under to hold the whole thing together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard, all the possessions. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They thought they were going to die. After a long, they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail to Crete. Then you, have, would, then you would have spared yourselves from damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you, not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. That it, will, that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Whew. Okay, let me pause the story here and ask you guys some questions, see if you understand. So, there was a really bad storm beating against the ship. Was that good or bad? Bad, I'm hearing bad, okay. They had to throw all their cargo overboard, all their valuable possessions overboard. Was that good or bad? Bad, yeah. I mean, you don't want to throw all the stuff you have, all your food and everything overboard. Okay. Paul tells them that the ship is going to be completely destroyed. Is that good or bad? Bad, bad yeah. And that's another bad thing. Okay. Paul also says that God, God promises that they are going to be saved. Is that good or bad? Good. All right, all right. So we got bad, 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 good. 
Very interesting. Okay, so here's what happens. You ready for this? They travel for 10 more days in the storm, all huddled together, not eating or drinking. Then they realize they're coming close to land. So Paul encouraged them to eat what little food they had left to get their strength. Then they saw the beach in the distance. So they cut the anchor off, and they raised the sail, and they headed straight for the beach. And they landed, smashed right into the sand, uh, a sandbar in the water. The boat stuck fast. Everyone jumped off. They grabbed whatever they could, like the oars and things. They jumped, and they swam to the shore. And everyone was saved, just like Paul and God had said. And the boat got beat by the waves, and it was destroyed. So let's continue reading in chapter 28 of Acts, see what happens when they get to the island. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Malta's just south of Italy. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, which is a snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself onto his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly die. But after waiting a long time and seeing that nothing bad happened to Paul, they changed their mind and said he was a god. Wow, it's kind of an abrupt switch, huh? So... Quick pause, quick pause. Does anyone remember that I gave the sermon at last children's church uh, last year? Anyone remember that? Yeah, good memories. Okay. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the question for 25 Teacher Joe points. What did I talk about last year? Same thing as this year. Not, not same thing. <laughs> uh, same thing. No, I have been reusing my stuff, but not, not that soon. Yes. Not a shipwreck. Whatever the answer is. The answer is no. Did anyone remember? Remember people were on the ground? What is it? It had something to do with a snake staff. Yeah, snake staff. There we go. You took two tries, so you get 12 and a half teacher drill points. So, so that's right. Last year we talked about Moses and, and the Israelites. They had been sinning. And God sent snakes among them, and the snakes bit them, and they were falling down dead. And so, God, they prayed to God, and God said, Moses, take one of those snakes, which represents your sin, and put it up on a staff. And if you look upon that staff, if you've been bit, you're going to be saved. Just like they're looking forward to Jesus, who will ultimately save them, right? Whew, seems like I'm a preacher that likes to talk about snakes. All right. So back to the story. The islanders, when they saw all these people come aboard or onto, onto the island, they should have been threatened by them, but they showed them kindness instead. And then Paul... Well, wait, question for you. Is that kindness good or bad? Good, right? They showed them kindness. And then Paul gets bitten by a snake. Is that good or bad? Bad, yep. Snake bites are bad. But the snake doesn't hurt him. Is that good or bad? Good. Amazing, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that in the Old Testament story last year, the snake bite killed people and they had to look up for promise. But in the New Testament story, the snake had no effect. Christ died on the cross, had already been accomplished, and the snake that represented sin had no effect, and the snake was thrown into the fire. Amen. Now, 
I'm not saying that poisonous snakes aren't going to hurt you. Don't, don't take that away. Stay away from poisonous snakes. They'll still hurt you today. All right. Now, I love what the people of Malta, the Maltese people said about the whole snakes. What'd they say? They say that Paul gets bitten by snakes so the gods want him dead, right? Or because, you know, he did bad things so bad stuff happens to him. But then when he doesn't die, they say, wow, God, he must be a god himself, right? And isn't that the way we often think about sin sometimes? We think that because we do bad things, bad stuff happens to us. And because we do good things, good stuff's going to happen to us. But Paul shows us in that story that that's not always true. The snake bit Paul, not because Paul was bad. And the snake didn't kill Paul, not because Paul was good. That was just part of God's plan and had nothing to do with Paul, frankly. Now, let's finish the story, okay? You ready to finish the story? All right. There was an estate nearby belonging to Publius. That's how they say it in Italian, Publius. And he was the chief of the island. He was in charge of everyone. And estate's a really nice house. And he welcomed us to his home and showed us generosity for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. So Paul went in to see his father. And after prayer, he placed his hands on him and he healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick people from the island were, came to Paul. And he also cured all those sick people too. And then they honored the, the people on the ship in many ways. And when they were ready to sail, they furnished them with supplies that they needed. Okay. So Publius's dad, we'll call him Publius Sr., was really sick. Is he, now, is, that, is the sickness good or bad? bad? Bad. All right. Now, Paul goes in and cures him. Is that good or bad? Good. good. And, when, and then he goes and cures everyone else on the island. Is that good or bad? Good. And then the islanders give them everything they need to go to Rome. Is that good or bad? Interesting. So we got good, 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 good. So in the beginning of the story, there are lots of bad and painful things that happen. But at the end of the story, lots of good things. It seems that God used all the bad things to turn into good, to make good things happen. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. And he writes, God exploits evil for his redemptive purposes. That's a lot of words, basically beings. He takes hold of all those evil things that happen. And then he uses all those bad things to make something exceptionally good happen. Is this starting to make any sense? No, I didn't think it was. So, so here's what we're going to do. I need six volunteers. Now, to be a volunteer, you've got to be willing to get a little messy on this one. I don't think anyone here wants to get messy. No messy, okay. All right, so right there in the glasses. And then I want Josie... And I want, who are you, the tiger? You're Isaac. Isaac, get up here. Oh, Elena, are you willing to be messy? All right, get up here, Elena. And Andrew, get up here. Andrew, my boy, because I want to be equal opportunity. Eliana, I do apologize. Do apologize. One, two, three, four, five. And Caleb, get up here. All right. Okay, so it's going to be a little on the messy side, and so... I am furnishing you with plastic bags. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. Plastic bags. Never put a bag over your head unless the preacher tells you to. And um, there's a hole for your head and little holes for your arms, okay? Put them on. And they've been scented. They smell good, don't they? I wouldn't like them when they smell like cherry. Okay. There we go. Get those on. Get that on. Eliana, I got it. All right. Now... All right, let's see here. Okay, you can do this. 
Now, I do care about our church, so I got to get the tarp out. There's the tarp. What is that? That's the tarp to protect our fine sanctuary. How are we doing, Eliana? There we go. Super, super. All right, okay. 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 All right, everyone stand on the tarp. You got an extra large. Yep, I knew you were a big kid. Okay. All right, now we go. Cinch these tight. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, all right, another question for you. Anyone know what these are? Hey, you're right. Those are eggs. All right. Now, I went ahead and hard-boiled eggs this uh, last night. Did anyone know what a hard-boiled egg is? Yeah, they're kind of like they're. Yeah, the eggs cooked. They're not. You know, they're not. They're not gooey on the inside, right? Yeah. Yeah, you eat them on Easter, right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I there's six here, but I I I don't think I got them all hard-boiled. I think there's a couple in here that might not be hard-boiled. It's hard to know. But I need you to help me figure it out, okay? So each person gets an egg, and one by one, we're going to take that egg and we're going to smash it on our forehead, okay? Yeah. And, and then we will know. Then we'll know which ones were hard-boiled and which ones weren't, okay? So, Josie, you get to choose an egg first. Okay, you get to choose an egg. There you go. All right, Andrew gets to choose an egg. All right, Lena, get to choose an egg. Choose an egg. And choose an egg. All right. Okay. Yeah, shake it. Shake it. Okay, okay. All right, so we're going to say ready, set, smash. Josie's going up first on the forehead. Ready, guys? Ready, set, smash. Oh, yes, that was a hard-boiled egg. All right, good. Woo-hoo. All right, who's next? Who's next? You want to go next? Okay. Ready, set, smash. Smell. We got, was, that, was, that, was that a real smash? Smash it hard. That was a hard-boiled egg. All right. All right, Andrew. Ready, set, smash. Oh, interesting. Elena, I'm saving, Eliana, I'm saving you for next. We're going to do this. We're going to go right here, all right? Can we wash ourselves off for this? Ready, Set, smash! Oh! Oh, my goodness! Oh, I can't believe that happened to you. What happened to you? All right, Eliana, one more. Ready, everyone? Ready, set, smash! Oh, it was okay. That egg was good. All right. I just did mine lightly and then I threw it on the ground. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was not quite the plan, but it worked. Okay. So, for those of you who got egg on your face, namely just one of you, why did you get egg on your face? Do you know why you got egg on your face? Karma. (laughs) All right. So, so that's another sermon. That's next year's sermon. Thank you. Oh, that was good. All right. You got egg on your face because I created a situation where you would get egg on your face, right? Now, you chose the egg. You chose the bad one. But I created that situation and allowed it to happen, didn't I? Yeah. Interesting. All right. Everyone sit down for a second. I got 
One last thought. Give everyone a round of applause. All right. Okay. So. I don't even know where to begin. All right. So. So in this egg game, in this egg game, was I really thinking about, do I care if you get egg on your face or not? Not really. I wanted something that would help you remember this sermon, remember this story, because if you remember something about God, that's a good thing, right? And so by remembering, taking something that could be bad for you, but good for everyone else, it helps you remember that sometimes God allows bad things to happen for a good overall objective. And so let's think about this. If the, if the, if the storm had not happened and the ship had not run aground, could Paul have come and healed all those people? No. And if the snake had not bitten Paul's hand, could all those people have been amazed that the snake didn't hurt him? No. And if they hadn't thrown all their cargo overboard in the storm, could the islanders have blessed all these people by giving them new things? No. See, God is good and he's powerful and he has a good plan that he will accomplish, but just because his overall plan is good doesn't mean bad things don't sometimes happen along the way. In fact, God has baked evil things into his overall plan. And why is that? Part of it is to show how good he is. See, a a diamond, a diamond shines most brightly against a black background. And that is the background that God has. The background of bad and evil will shine brightly how good he is. I want everyone to go ahead and go back to their parents, sit down. And while while you do, I'm going to read to your parents a, a, a passage from Isaiah. It's, it's, yeah, here, you could take the egg and give it to me. Perfect. All right. Don't step in that, all right? Don't step in it, all right? Do my parents I can stay here? No, you go up. All right. Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, verse 8 through 13 says, Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, the things of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From a far-off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, you who are now far away from my righteousness. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. The problem of pain is not really a problem of God's goodness, but truly a problem of man's perspective. What we see dimly, God sees in excellent clarity. While we focus on immediacy, God views in eternity. While we point to pain and suffering, God points to mercy and salvation. For every instance of evil, God points to a hundred instances of good. Truly, if we were to cast this theological quandary from an angelic perspective, the angels are asking, why is there so much good in the world when the capacity of man for evil is so great? 
The outcome of many wars could have been quite a bit different without God's intervention. We may have never had the Bill of Rights attached to our Constitution. Slavery may never have been ended. And the person who walked in our church last week may never have been served and blessed so richly by this congregation. I'm not going to be so trite to say that bad things happen as a means to a good end. That's part of it, but it misses the bigger point. Here's the reason for pain. And it's rather simple. The reason for pain is redemption. Pain and suffering are the starting points for redemption. And our God is the one who redeems. He redeems humans and the whole creation. And redemption is a critical attribute of the God we love, the God we serve, the God we sing about. It must be seen. And without pain, there is no redemption. Redemption is not pulling out, pulling people up from healthiness. It's pulling out people from brokenness. So from the foundation of the earth, the cross was part of God's plan. Even more, as he spoke our world into existence, God was already considering the new world that he would one day bestow upon his people. Listen to it described in Revelation 21. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a, be- as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice coming from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old things have passed, and a new order has come. So as we encounter these tribulations of our life or observe them in the world, let us step back and not question the goodness of God, No, we hold tight to his goodness. Let's not question his power. He cannot be thwarted. Instead, we truly admit that pain and suffering is real. It's part of the plan. It's authentic. And it's as real as the redemption we receive. If you feel pain, I pray even more that you feel redemption. You, my friends who are in Jesus, are redeemed today. So, hold fast together. Bear each other's burdens as a storm of life batters our ship. We will probably run aground, and you will probably be led to believe that all is lost. But look at that. The snake has lost its bite. God's plan of redemption is coming forth. So hold fast together, bear each other's burdens as we stand upon this battered ship. And eventually, when that last tear is wiped away, you will be redeemed completely. Amen. May the God of redemption whose salvation is more powerful than the greatest of storms. May he uplift your head, wipe every tear from your eyes, and forevermore shine upon your face, the face of his child. Amen.